Well, I have an announcement to make to you today. It's time for Big Mouth's mouth to be shut up. And who would that be? Well, the one that Jesus has triumphed over, the Scripture tells us in Colossians 2.15. Is this the year of triumph, church? Okay, I'm in the right place. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The Scripture tells us that Jesus triumphed over Satan and his cohorts, but we know from the Word of God that you and I have to maintain and enforce that victory with the things He has given us. Why? The Bible says that the devil is a roaring lion. As a roaring lion, does, does what? He walks about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells us that's why we need to be sober and be vigilant. So say that with me. Be sober. Be, sober. be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, what does that mean? It means he's not a lion. And if in your thinking you think that he is, think of him as a toothless lion. He's had his teeth knocked out. But watch this, he still has a mouth. He still has a voice. And that's what he uses to get back into a place of influence and worm his way back in to the child of God's life. Now you and I have to understand we're defeated not because he has all this supernatural power. Now if you're a child of God in right standing with God, standing in your place, standing in covenant underneath the blood, the devil is stripped concerning you. But he still has a mouth. I tell you, one of the greatest miracles, the greatest miracle you'll ever experience is to be born again. That took you out of the dominion of darkness and into the dominion of the Son of God. Amen. It's a big deal. But if you listen to his mouth, he'll worm his way back into your life. If you subject yourself to what he says... It's possible for you to live a very defeated life, even though Jesus has done everything he could do, that you would be victorious and more than a conqueror. Explain to you this way. The Bible says that Peter is the one that God gave the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, the Bible says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Just a short time afterwards, Jesus is talking about his death and his suffering and ultimately his resurrection. And Peter stood up and basically says, no, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to allow it. And you know what Jesus said? He didn't say, Peter, you're an idiot. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Here he goes from having the cornerstone revelation in the Word of God to absolutely saying something diametrically opposite to the agency that would bring about that great spiritual resolution. Just like that. And I'm telling you that God can speak through you. Come on, say it. My God can speak through me. But you have to understand, so can the devil. And just like that, are you here today? While we don't pick on Peter, we should learn from him. We should understand that the devil, even though Peter is plainly called as an apostle of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, is going to do great things for God, the devil will still try to worm his way into his life and influence him. And the devil's doing that today with you. In fact, I'd say this there's not a day that doesn't go by the devil's not trying one of his schemes and devices to get into your business and to sidetrack you. 
We talked about them last week, but I want to do this today just in the context of how to shut the mouth of the devil. Look at somebody say, how to shut his big blab mouth. Satan is defeated, but he still has a mouth, a big mouth. And we know how this works. We talked about this. First of all, we listen to what he says. And after we listen to what he says, we begin to think about what he says. And after we begin to think about what he says, we begin to start saying what he said. And it's not long that we start doing what he said. And even though the Bible tells us, the thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy, I'm coming they might have life. And what? Life more abundantly. Even though the devil does stealing, killing, and destroying, it's ultimately up to us to yield through self-destructive behavior influenced by the enemy. It's ultimately up to us whether we allow that and pave that pathway or we resist and enforce what God has done for us. Well, I wish it were the case where, you know, he did everything and now we can just lie down. Well, that's not the case. I want you to think about the mighty wars that the people of Israel have fought. Even though they were God's chosen people, even though they were covenant people, when an enemy attacked, they still had to rise and fight. Look at somebody and tell them, you got to rise and you got to fight. You can't just sit on your hands and say, I'm a child of God. Let me tell you something, there's no demonic white flag coming your way just because you got Christian written across your forehead. Does that make sense? Paul described his walk as a fight. I have what? Fought the good fight. If he would use that language, it tells us that we're actually in a war. And does he not also use soldier references? Warfare references? He uses them quite often, in fact. So let's just talk about this today. How do you shut the mouth of that big mouth? First of all, write this down. You've got to shut it with discernment. You've got to shut that big mouth with discernment. You can't reject and defeat what you don't see. You've got to pick up on what device is he using against you and have enough sense and humility to say, you know what, the devil could be doing this and I could already now be subject to this pathway we talked about. I listened to it, now I'm thinking it, now I'm saying it, now I'm doing it. Look at somebody and tell them it's possible for you to do that. It's also possible for you to discern it and reject it, hallelujah. For example, by way of review, he uses the scheme of deception, partial or total distortion of Scripture and reality. He uses seduction, the gradually pulling you away from right conduct and from right belief. He'll use persecution. Mark 4 says, because of the word, trouble and persecution comes. I hope you didn't think that the faith lifestyle was going to somehow inoculate you from an attack. It actually invites attacks. But guess what? They don't work on the child of God who stays in faith. That's what your faith is all about. He'll use number four, temptation, the encouragement and enticement to violate God's law. He'll use oppression, the application of mental pressure in various forms through verbal assault. Paul talked about this, how we were hard pressed on all sides. But how many understand he didn't quit? We don't live in a bubble. There can come pressure. Sixth is alienation, inspiring isolation, rejection, and people turn their backs on you or you turn your backs on them. Intimidation, the use of fear and anxiety. And when you get into fear, you step out of faith and vice versa. Hallelujah. He'll use accusation, incessantly bringing up your past failures and mistakes to the point of condemnation. Raise your hand if you've ever done something stupid. 
Some of you bought real estate there. But how many know there's grace for that too? Hallelujah. Well, I don't care what you've done, how bad it is in man's eyes, in the eyes of religion, whose eyes it is, if you're forgiven, you are forgiven. But I'm telling you that if you'll let him, he'll keep you bogged down all the days of your life with what you didn't do right and how you failed here. And how, if I've heard this once as a pastor, I've heard it a thousand times. How could I possibly tell somebody else about Jesus knowing what I have done? But can I tell you something? There was only one perfect messenger, and you're not him or her. It's not about your perfection and having it all together. It's about you just letting him do what he wants to do and standing in your faith. You've got to start believing that you're not figuratively one day, maybe might be all theologically concept one day righteous, but you are righteous. And the fact is, you'll never be more righteous than you are right now. You don't increase in righteousness. It is a gift. And it's not heaven's side, it's the day that you get born again. Now aren't you glad you're born again? But he'll accuse just to box you in, just to take you out. And we can't afford to have you coming out of the fight. We need you to stay in there. Amen. Tell somebody to put up your dukes and fight. Rationaliza uh, rationalization is the last one where the devil tries to get you to think that what you're doing is okay. You know what? It's okay that I am bitter and angry, offended. It's okay that I'm crossing lines. It's okay that I'm compromising. It's no big deal. God knows He forgives. Listen, yes, He forgives, but stop presuming on His forgiveness as a justification for what you're doing. You should take that grace and that power and use it to not violate His Word, rather than yield to it and say, well, He forgives me. Are you here today? You shut it with discernment. You need to know which of these or which combination of these are messing with you. I can't do that for you. I can teach the Word. I can explain these to you. But you have to sit there. You know, when Wednesday, Thursday rolls around and all of a sudden something's really heavy on you, you've got to begin to discern what's working on you. Now, his choice weapons are things like deception and seduction, but all of these are used against God's people at one time or another in the Word of God and in contemporary society. And you've got to pick up on that enough to say, you know, I know what you're doing, and I'm not going to fall for it. Amen. I've heard the, the phrase, and people tell me, well, God's told them to go. God's told them to go. God's called them to go. There has been a false mobility in the body of Christ going on for decades now. And can I tell you what God's really trying to tell you? God's not trying to get you to focus on geographical going. He's trying to get you to go to a place in the spirit you've never been before. And you're so naturally minded, you're thinking it's in a place. It's in a state. It's in a city. It's in a place of geography. And it's not. It's, in a, it's a place in the spirit. And he's telling you, go deeper, yes. further. Yes. Oh, and once you get a hold of that revelation, it'll change your life. I'm telling you, I believe you are in the place. Amen. Yes. You are in the spot God has supernaturally placed you here for this season and for this time. Yes. We believe this will be the, the miracle capital of the world. Why? Because God is in the miracle working business and he is up to something amazing. 
I said, he's up to something amazing. And you and I are blessed just to be a part of what he's doing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Turn to somebody and tell them, go deeper in the spirit. Further in faith. Deeper in victory. We're supposed to think differently than the world. That's a mind renewal issue. That's a maturity issue. Hallelujah. Praise God. And discerning what battery he's using against you is critical in shutting down that big mouth. Hebrews 5.14 tells us solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Isaiah put it this way, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There needs to be a distinguishing going on in the body of Christ. There's some folks being hit by these. And next thing you know, they're off in la-la land wondering how they got there. And the devil's just laughing because our lack of knowledge has destroyed us. This is just the beginning, folks. I believe that God is going to expose the entire devil's playbook before it's all over with. Amen. Amen. Not partially. Not so you can be focused on all the devil's doing, so that you can be wise. Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know which of these he may use, but I'll tell you what, he seems to know which one to use on which person, doesn't he? Number two, shut it with resistance. Shut his big mouth with resistance. He wants you to do something, just say no. Say, well, pastor, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You've been doing that to God for years. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. If you've ever told God no or hedged on God, you know exactly what to do with the devil. Resist. The Bible says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. James 4, 7. The problem with that is you have to submit to God before your resisting will work. Hallelujah. I submit, I yield to him his authority, his will. Now when I stand up resisting the enemy rejecting his influence. I've identified it. Now I reject it. I resist it. And I follow God and do what he wants me to do. I do what that scripture tells us to do in in Jude. Contend for the faith. Amen. Does that sound like a Sunday go to meeting in your Sunday best and go have a potluck and that's all there is to church? No. Contending. Fight. Resist. No, the United States finally did get into World War II. Well, you know, we we fought, didn't we? But as much as we could wish it, that it all just end and go away, it didn't just end and go away. Somebody had to do something about it. Amen? God bless those efforts. And a tyrant and a regime was taking down. In the body of Christ, for that, his idea would just wait on God and he'll take care of everything. No, you need to resist. Having done all to stand, do what? Stand, stand therefore. Whatever is being arrayed against you. 
Hallelujah. It's a special time in the body of Christ. Amen. I said this is a special time in the body of Christ. You're about to see God reward those that stand. God bless those who have a heart to continue. I know, lots of times we're told, oh, what's the big deal, just being faithful? I'm just that boring, continuing, faithful Christian. You know, I'm neither real, real high or real, real low. I don't have all the gifts or all the bells and the whistles. I'm just kind of there. Let me tell you something. You're exactly what God is looking for in these end times. The stable person who is consistent. God has great things in mind for you. Amen. Say it with me. I shut it with discernment. I shut it with resistance. Number three, shut his mouth with the word. Matthew 4, when the devil came to Jesus, what did Jesus do? He whipped out the word of God. You never need to discount the importance of knowing what the word of God says when the enemy comes. Now, in this case, the device is temptation, but it doesn't matter what it is. The remedy is the same. Look at uh, Matthew 4 with me for a moment. Say, we are called to triumph. In verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit uh, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, we told you last week that translation is very well rendered, the plotter, the one who plots. He came to him and said, if you're the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, you see this? He's ready. Turn to somebody and tell them you need to be on the active ready. Finger on the trigger here. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Well, that got the devil to leave immediately, didn't he? No. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is what? Written. Now we're going to just use a half-truth here and a misapplication. He'll command his angels concerning you. and They'll lift you up uh, in your hands and you'll not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered. He was on the ready. It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, then the devil left. No, he didn't. Again, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will come, bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Now, that's what a lot of us would do. We'd stop right there. Oh, get away from me, you bad devil, you. But that's not what he did. Away from me. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then what happened? The devil left him. And angels came and attended him. And the Luke version says he left him to what? To an opportune time, which means this wasn't going to be the last encounter. But notice how he got reprieved. Notice how he shut his mouth. The deliberate, skillful, quick, immediate use of the word of God coming up out of his heart, out of his mouth, absolutely paralyzed the devil in that situation. Now, you need to know the word because the devil knows the word. The Bible is called the sword of the spirit. It's the sword that the spirit uses. It is the choice weapon, and you need to have it ready 
whenever he comes to you. It doesn't make any difference if it's deception or seduction. Some of y'all need to get a Jesse to plant a spirit about you. That's right. When a prostitute came on to him on board a plane when he used to fly commercial, he used to have this saying, still does, embarrass sin before it embarrasses you. So finally, after getting tired of her hitting on him and coming on to him, he just stood up in the plane and announced to everybody, whore of Babylon, whore of Babylon. You need to have a mindset that you're not going to just sit there and let him say everything he wants to to you. In this case, it's temptation, but it could be any kind of one of these schemes or others we've not talked about. The remedy of the Word of God is what you need to overcome and cause his mouth to be shut. Skillful use of the Word of God. First time I heard Brother Copeland talk about working knowledge, he explained it this way. You know, you can get on board a plane today, sit in the back of a 747, and, you know, when somebody says, well, how did you get here? I flew. Well, you flew, but you didn't fly. You sat. Uncomfortably, you sat. With somebody's tray in your nose. That's what you did. You sat. But somebody was in the cockpit with a mastery of that aircraft, understanding its thrust and its lift, and understanding its avionics and all the bells and whistles that are now on those planes, heads-up displays right there on the, on the windshield. It's amazing what they have. That guy actually has a working knowledge. Or, lady, recently there was a big article about two ladies that were co-pilot and a pilot on the plane. Amen. That was a smart move on somebody's part. Amen. What's the point? The point is, they have a working knowledge of flight. The passenger just gets the benefit of it. Some of y'all have been riding on somebody else's coattails too long. Riding in the back of somebody's spiritual 747. What you need now is a working knowledge of the word for yourself. And be ready to whip that thing out. I mean, those, those pilots have the aircraft manuals and they have emergency procedures. And you just think from memory, they just go ahead and we'll do this, 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 and this. Oh, no, they don't. They checklist when something goes wrong in that plane. Boom, 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 boom. Remember the, the story of Sully who landed a plane in the Hudson River in New York. You immediately go into what you've been taught, but you also go right down the line of what you're supposed to do in that situation. We need to be that exact same way with the Word of God. He tries this, you hit him with this. He tries this, you hit him with this. Amen. Amen. Right now, at any given time, there are people that are constantly chewing on things that God didn't say, but the devil told them. You've got to shut his mouth. Our sister Wendy alluded to it earlier. Number four, you shut it with praise. You shut the devil's mouth with praise. She said, prophetically, if you want to go from believe, 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 to I receive, I receive, I receive, it's in the praising. You just heard a powerful word from God. Some of you have been saying, how do I go from believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, it sounds like Bugs Bunny, to go into I receive. It's in the praising. Look at this in Psalm 8. It's a wonderful scripture. Hallelujah. Psalm 8. 
Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens from the lips of children and infants. You have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Praise is ordained to silence the foe and the avenger. Praise in your mouth will shut the mouth of the devil in that situation. You say, why is that, Pastor? Because he cannot comprehend, he cannot understand this concept. It confuses him. If something challenging is going on in your life, he does not expect praise and victory and joy coming out of you. He's expecting sorrow and gloom and discouragement. How many of you are old enough to remember playing an old-fashioned pinball machine? Okay, so I dated myself, so there you have it. <laughs> Amen, we used to be those, hey Ben, on the machines all the time. Mom knows this, we'd hit the bowling alley several days a week in Carbondale and playing them games, and it was a big deal. Amen. Uh, <laughs> can you understand today? If you apply the principles of God's word to your heart, to your situation. I just want to stop here and just say this to you. There are, there are, there are things cracking and popping and being healed right now in bodies in this room. Can you receive that? There's something wrong inside of you. Just lift a hand. Just receive. Receive. And now praise him for it. Praise him for it. Praise Him for it. Come on, praise His holy name. Come on, take it up another level and praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Glory to God. Now say it, I'm the healed. I'm the restored. I'm the healed. I'm the restored. I receive right now in Jesus' name. Now praise Him for it. Come on, don't stop. Just keep praising Him for it. Keep praising Him for it. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father God. Now, if you're like me on a pinball machine, you wanted to win. Sometimes you got a little much too into it. And you push that, you push that console, and what would the machine do? It go tilt. It would just shut down. The ball would go down, and you either had to put another quarter in, unless you had another go, whatever. But the point is, it made it made it go tilt. That's what goes on in the devil's spirit. That's what goes on in him when you praise him when you're not supposed to in his thinking. Somebody's on their last leg, but you praise him. You don't know how to pay the bill, but you praise him. You're worried about your job, but you go in there praising God. You got a child that's seemingly lost their mind, but you praise him anyway. He can't understand that. He can't comprehend that. And if you don't believe it, read in the Word of God where they put praise in front of a column of, of, of soldiers like in Jehoshaphat's day. They didn't understand it. In Jericho, they didn't understand how a shout and trumpet blast could do such a powerful thing. It's anointed to shut him up. Come on, raise your hand if you really want to shut him up. 
tired of what he has to say. Just start praising him. With the discernment or not, with all the other bells and whistles and principles, just start praising him. Well, you'll never do anything for God. Just start praising him. They'll never get healed. Just start praising him. You're a terrible person. Just start praising him. In every one of these devices, don't wait. Just uncork on him. Psalm 8 says there's an anointing on praise that shuts his mouth. Some people are defeated walking in the house of God because they're more spectators than they are involved in it. We don't praise just to go through the motions and make us look all holy as church people. These things are anointed to bring results. Praise God. Praise God. What does praise do? Praise keeps your mouth in line with, you know, while your mind is being reset to the Word of God. Sometimes your mind goes in places it shouldn't go. Praise is like repeated faith missiles launched at the enemy in the midst of a battle. Amen. Glory to God. When you praise the name of Jesus, you're throwing the entire force of God's word at your adversary because Jesus and his word are one. When you speak that name, you just threw the book at him. I also grew up loving to watch, uh, you know, Hawaii Five O. Not as much as my wife, but let's not bring up that. <laughs> and yes, I'm a fan of the original Hawaii Five O. Book them, Dano. All I can remember is my older brother walking around every day. Book them, Dano. Book them, Dano. Is book them, Dano this and book them, Dano that. So you're like, why five oh, Dano, book them. <laughs> yeah. Listen, when you cry out Jesus and you praise that name, it's like booking the devil. Glory to God. Turn to somebody and say, book them. <laughs> Number five, shut it with prayer. Shut his big blab mouth with prayer. Scripture says in Luke twenty two thirty one, 31, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but what? I have prayed for you that you would not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. How does this work? The Bible tells us right now, Jesus is interceding for you. You should intercede for others. You should intercede for yourself. Because this is real. The war against Peter is not isolated. It's against every man, every woman, every boy, every child. And we've got to be skilled in knowing how to shut that one thing down that still has its influence in our lives. Uh, he's disarmed, but he's not without a mouth. Amen. Say this with me. Shut his mouth. With discernment. I mean, shout it loud. Say it. Shut his mouth. With discernment. With discernment. With resistance. What else, church? With the word out of your mouth. Shut it down with praise. praise and shut it down with what? Prayer. You know, the Bible says of our weapons, 
They're not carnal. His weapons are carnal. Our weapons are not carnal. But they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. But Paul also says that we are to be the ones that cast down vain imaginations and everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Whose job is that? Whose job? Ours. Glory to God. Now you know, um, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the devil is consistent as well. Isaiah 14 pulls back the curtain of what happened when there was a rebellion in heaven and how that man could talk. Have you ever met somebody that was real charming and they could just charm you out of anything? Slick, hell, slick like Slick Willie. Amen. And if you're from the Watergate area, Tricky Dick. Just slick. Now, that's how he operates. If you can shut his mouth down, you will walk in perpetual triumph and victory. Amen. Amen. Now, you're in a day that some would say, well, there, is, uh, there are no more miracles because miracles prove Jesus' deity and you know, he doesn't do that stuff anymore. Well, let me tell you something. There is no day of miracles. There's a God of miracles, and he's very much alive. And you say, is this important? Yes. Because uh, in this environment, everybody say this environment. Uh, the devil's not going to just run up a white flag and say, you know what? I'm done messing with Hope Harbor. And in fact, I can tell you prophetically now that everything that we have faced through the years is an opposition to this very time. The context and the understanding is starting to come. And some of you know what it's like for the devil to push and to prod and to try to sandbag you, but you chose to stand anyway. Now there's something to be said for not quitting in the things of God. Come on, shout out, I'm not a quitter. But you've got to understand that to whom much is given, much is required. And you have to understand that we have nothing to do with God making a sovereign decision to move in and through a people. That's completely up to him. Bethlehem was completely his choice. Does that make sense? Coming out of Egypt, becoming a Nazarene, completely his choice. Coming through the the lineage he came through, not our choice. That said, just because God is ordaining some things doesn't mean the devil is going to not try to talk you out of it. Amen. So keep your discernment active and on the active ready. Amen. Keep your resistance intact by learning to submit first to God. Absolutely keep that word on the ready. Keep praise in your mouth. The Bible says that the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Amen. Glory to God. And realize how powerful the prayer of agreement is. Now we've seen smatterings of this through the years, but I'm telling you in the past six or seven or eight weeks there have been unexplainable supernatural miracles. Miss Bird had something on her lung and now it's gone. Amen. Our brother. Amen. 
Um, I still rejoice over the fact that your heart is strong, amen, and sound, glory to God. And you're going to make a, you're going to torment the devil before this is all over with my brother, amen. amen. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me put it to you this way. This is something the Lord spoke to me the other day. Those that have been hammered in the health are going to come out as agents of health. Not just, see that flies in the face of religion and carnality. It says if I have a physical affliction, how could God possibly use me? You're missing the point. You knew how to receive. You stood and there's anointing coming on you to minister these, in these areas where people are hurting. Years ago, Brother Carlos went in to have surgery in Paducah. Remember this like it was yesterday. And uh, right after surgery, there was a complication. Normally, the surgeon would have been long gone. Sister Linda gets word. Everybody say, God bless you, Linda. God bless you. <laughs> Something's wrong. Well, Mark Randall and I were there, and uh, we went into the chapel with her to pray. And I'll never forget this. She got down. On her knees, and that, what used to be Lourdes, it's now Mercy Health Lourdes, was in the middle of that chapel and sat right there on her knees. And Mark was on one side, I was on the other, and she cried out to God. And I'll never forget this, after a season, she just went like this. She stood up like she was hitting the head with a two-by-four, and it was done. And sure enough, because that surgeon just happened to still be there, he was able to take care of what was wrong. And he's sitting back there right now, alive, hallelujah. Glorifying God. Amen. Does God do that? Yes, He does. Most of you have met my wonderful mother. <laughs> She's a character of Big C. And she came here. Uh, there was one, right? One kidney functioning. And it was at a level three, which indicates the, progress, the, you know, the progression of the disease is getting worse. Then she went and saw a doctor here after she had been here a while. I think it was about six months to a year. And it went back down to a two. She got a call the other day. She had a test and both of her kidneys were functioning. <laughs> huh? Is God real? Yes. Yes. I was thrilled because now I'm going to have sermon material for years to come. <laughs> Look at somebody. He's a miracle worker. Hey, Jack is here in the house. You other health care providers know that, you know, the kidney disease doesn't go the other way. We didn't ask anybody but Jesus to take care of this. Does that make sense? He's the healer. He's the restorer. And he cares about what's going on in your life as well. So watch this. Wednesday night, uh, the Lord put it in my heart uh, to begin to talk about the concept and the, the mandate, I believe, from the Lord, uh, the miracle capital of the world. Now, you have to understand that God doesn't say, oh, yeah, there's lots of miracles there, so we'll call it that. No, it's, it's God calls things, and then that's what they become. That's how God functions. Call things that be not as though they what? So there's always been a smattering of that and some very powerful miracles. A young lady years ago came down here for prayer, and she had uh, lymphoma. 
and that's what they thought it was isolated to, and praying for her healing, and uh, next thing you know, Kelly begins to pray, and out of her spirit comes this prophetic utterance that that pancreas is also healed in Jesus' name. Only problem is this person told no one she had pancreatic cancer. But the Spirit of God knew. She went back to the doctor and there's no cancer in her pancreas. That's God that we serve. Say it with me. I'm a believer. Say it. I'm a believer. So I've been waiting for you know months on this. been teaching on the glory. And you need to know that the glory of God is the manifest presence, power, and goodness of God. Say that with me. The glory, the glory. is the manifest presence and power and goodness of God. Well, if that's the case, and glorification is the restoration of that glory on the believer that we lost because of sin in the garden, and we made fig leaves, and God gave us his skin, right, by blood, but his ultimate goal is to restore the glory covering. And if the glory covering is being restored, then the presence and the goodness and what? The power, the dunamis is going to be there. Miracle literally is dunamis. So we say the power is being restored, dunamis is being restored. And this is the concept here. And so began to talk about what that means. What what does miracle mean? What does it mean? He's a God who does miracles. Aren't you glad for that? And right in the middle of declaring and sowing this seed that this is the miracle capital of the world, David Gossam sitting right over here basically just keels over. Um, I want you to see how, how good God is. Now, several people involved in this have told me that, yes, the, absolutely, he was brought back. And nobody deserves the praise and the honor and the glory but the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. But here's the deal. How many understand? At that moment, Big Mouth has got a lot to say. Can I, can I say this again? Big Mouth has a lot to say at that moment. Well, here's what's so unique. At that particular moment, there are a lot of little things tied together in that kind of a miracle. First of all, David wasn't on the road driving. David wasn't at home. David was in the house of God. The other thing that was extraordinary about this is, and I've been here a while, and I've preached hundreds of Wednesday night services. I know who can come and who can't come, who does come, who doesn't come. And who we had in the house, as far as the health professionals, we rarely, if ever, have that kind of combination that are here. We just don't. There are, they're on call. There are schedules. They, they can't do it. And uh, several of them uh, were here. Yes. Amen. Amen. It's a big deal. And uh, <laughs> Carolyn, you're here somewhere, aren't you? This Carolyn Tinsley actually teaches students how to perform these procedures. Uh, Dr. Milo, you're back here somewhere. Uh, she normally works on the little ones. <laughs> Bill, you're back there. Uh, intensive care over in Mayfield and works also, also in primary care. Uh, your other that were here, raise your hand if you're here Wednesday night and you're in health care somewhere. Yep. Yeah. What's amazing is, you know, I think I was counted in my mind, there are probably seven or eight uh, actually in the premise, on the premises. And I'm going to tell you something, that 
those people jumped on him like a dog on a bone. Now watch this. It's, you could just sense the, the Spirit of God. They didn't even talk to each other. They just simply rotated in and out, doing whatever they could do with the knowledge base they had. And if you want to talk about a dog jumping on a bone, this, this church jumped so far on the devil, he may never get up again by prayer. I mean, I mean, it, it, was, it was war city. And that's the way it should be when Big Mouth opens up his mouth. EMT's off duty. Here's it on the scanner. Pulls in, offers to drive the ambulance so that the two ladies that were working on him can go ahead and get him to the hospital. He walks out the door, and I'm telling you what, together, I mean, people weren't praying, oh, Lord, if it be thy will, and oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, what's going to happen? I mean, they were praying the prayer of faith. They were praying in the Holy Ghost. And we were all in this altar as he was carted off to the hospital. And we're praying the prayer of faith, believing God. Different people are praying. Our sister receives a tongue interpretation about it's the Lord's battle, and he's won the victory. But a half hour later, I get a text from Kelly. He's in the ER, and he's talking. Amen. I believe, I believe we could praise him more than that for what he has done. Come on, church. Let's bless the Lord of glory. Let's praise the Lord of glory. We honor you, Lord Jesus. You're a good God, and what you do is good. We worship you, Lord God. We worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.